Welcome to the Papa Cast on the links. Now here's your host, Bob Papa. Papa Cast Golf Cast welcomes Billy Ray Brown, University of Houston, three-time NCAA champion, 1982 individual champion. As we get you set for the 2016 NCAA Men's Division I Golf Championship, storied history goes all the way back to 1897. Houston Cougars have won 16 times. Billy Ray, you were part of three of them. You won three times on the PGA Tour. You've been a broadcaster for a long time. What makes the college golf experience so unique when you think about your career? Well, obviously, Bob, you, you talk about that. And I, I still have to go back to those senses. You talk about my three PGA Tour wins. I go back to playing college golf. That that enabled me to set a foundation there to uh, to actually be able to win individually because so much emphasis at Houston was put on being a team member. And uh, it was it was beaten to us every single day by the iconic coach, Dave Williams. You know, he 16 national champions. You've already touched on that. But um, what was so interesting about playing college golf and the best thing that he made you play for the other four guys that were right there. They were more way more important than yourself in the school that you went to. And so that was the foundation. The roots were laid right there that uh, that actually carried me through to individual golf. There's less pressure playing individual golf, in my opinion, than playing team golf. And we're right here at the NCAs right now. And the pressure these guys feel, if, if, if they're correctly coached, they feel more pressure here playing for the other four guys in the school in which they play for until they play summer tournaments playing individuals. When you talk about that – you know, you think about teammates in football. You're, you know about football because you come from a football background, um, which we should talk about in just a second. But you're lined up next to a guy. In basketball, you're on the court with a guy. In hockey, you're on the ice with a guy. Teammates, chemistry, picking another guy up. How do you do that in golf when you're on 15, your teammates on 13, and you're not actually working together at the same time. That's a heck of a question, too. But I, th- I think when you, you're talking about not being together, that, that foundation was laid well back into practice. And in chemistry, that's huge. There, there were players on my team that were Walker Cup members, and that is the highest uh, amateur status you could ever have was to be on the Walker Cup team, could not make our team in college. They were fantastic amateur players, fantastic individual players but they weren't very good team players and that foundation when you're when you know one guy's struggling throughout the golf course because your coach would let you know you know how your guys are playing and that is communication from from the coach himself knowing how other guys and so if you were struggling or I was struggling you would pick me up yeah I would play that much harder for the guy that was struggling hard I, I wasn't concerned about myself I was concerned about that guy that was struggling let me do my job today to pick it up just like football okay I miss a block right here I'm sure hoping that guard you know catches backside because I really made or, you know made some back footwork there and I've let a guy pass me so you depend on those other guys to catch your back when you're done and and even though you're not next to each each other you know what they're doing so you got to catch their back also is it hard because golf is a sport that relies on rhythm it relies on concentration it relies on staying within yourself right if you if your swing gets too long if you try to hit the ball harder counterintuitively it goes shorter um you know in all the other sports that we're talking about with teammates you can do something else your your shot might be off but you may just say hey you know what i'm going to set some really good screens here to help the team out in golf when you try harder to try to pick up a teammate, could it almost lead to a poorer result? 
100%, but also what, what you have to build on. Yeah, that happens, and that happens quite often. But also, uh, flip side that, the momentum. If, if one player, your number five player, gets off to a good start, your number four player gets off to a good start, you have not even put a peg in the ground. And that filters just the other way also. If they're playing well, that means you have to play well and pull your weight also. But I, I think more more times than not, you have to have that – that balance between a teammate and playing your own game also. But there are times you have to take chances. And just like you do as an individual tournament, if you're trying to win the golf tournament, you got to take chances. Are you trying to play it safe? And so from a professional standpoint, let me just make a few pars come in. I got no chance to win the tournament. You know, I'm going to make extra cash. I don't want to cost myself. But in, in college golf, there, there are times I think you have to take a lot more chances trying to win a tournament for your school, for your team, but also um, also for that teammate to pick them up. And that's the unique part about it is you can play safe and kind of coast through, but uh, there are a lot of chances you take for, for teammates, and sometimes it doesn't work out. You won three national championships. In 1982, you're a freshman, uh, and you wind up uh, winning the individual championship. What was that like to win the individual championship but as you're winning the individual championship, your score is helping your team win the team championship. And I've told this before. I would have never won an individual championship as a freshman. One, because of being a freshman. Secondly, the golf course in which it was on, Pinehurst number 2, famed Pinehurst number 2. But I was certainly not aware, with nine holes to play, that how close I was to winning an individual title. It was so in tune to me, the other four guys I was playing with. And it sounds like a bunch of bull crap that I'm telling you that I had no idea until I got to the 16th hole that, hey, you've got the lead. You know, it looks like we're going to go on and go to victory as a team. Everyone has played well enough. Hey, uh, my coach let me know. He says, hey, you, you've got a one-shot lead right now for the individual uh, title of the NCA." And at that point in time, I, I actually got nervous. I'm not sure I could have performed that way throughout the round, knowing exactly that I was also trying to play well for the team, but was I going to be selfish enough to play well enough for me and try to keep it close individually? Uh, so, I, one, I would have never won it. But secondly, once I once the team played well, I could focus on my individual state of game. And that, that was the hard part. I went from team, team mode now to individual mode, trying to, you know, finish off there at Pinehurst. Then you won again in 84 and 85 as a team. So three and four years, uh, that's a pretty heady accomplishment. What, what did it mean to be a part of that University of Houston culture? I know recently uh, when we were in Houston, you won a Distinguished Alumni Award at the University of Houston, which I know you're very proud of. But to be a part of a rich tradition like that, I mean, that's University of Houston golf for those who maybe are not as familiar. Think Alabama football, you know, think Notre Dame think that kind of place in the world of golf is where Houston sits because I think only I think only Yale has won more NCAA golf championships and that's going all the way back to 1897 different time different world well at one point in time they did ha they did have that until we won three of the last four we over we overtook Yale right now uh, but with that being said I, being part of it was was awesome and and the friendships that I made through there but there was a lot of help along the way, and, and we've had some really big names. And uh, a guy that I was a freshman with, Steve Elkin, and everyone knows Steve in the Twitter world, whatever it may be, you know, 1995 PGA champion also. Um, those years were, were probably the most 
influential years on my life. It, 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 it grew me for who I am right now. And I stayed close to the program. Now, 16 national championships, you got to remember 1985 is the last time. There has been a lot of water going underneath the bridge, and we have not put the quest for 17. And, and head coach Jonathan Dismuke at Houston, that's been his motto every year with T-shirts, the quest for 17. He's moving in that right direction. And not, not just myself, but a number of former players have really gotten involved with the program to do everything that we can under the rules of the NCA to make sure that they're successful and they're they're going in that direction. But it, it was it was huge for me. And not to remiss you, just to go back to a question before. Um, granted, we won it three of the four years. Well, we won eighty two, eighty four, and eighty five. Well, in eighty three, we really had a good chance to go. And you're led by Billy Ray Brown, the All American, and Steve Elkington, the All American. Well. We threw up on ourselves. We cost our team taking chances down that stretch to win my sophomore year also. And that kind of revolves around the questions you asked earlier. You know, what happens in that state? Some of the guys weren't playing well. We took some chances, and Steve and I let the team down that time. So if you wouldn't have taken chances, you might have had a better chance. Because you tried to pick up other guys, and you got outside Billy Ray Brown and Steve Elkington's game. Yeah, that's a perfect point right there. But but consequently, the other three years that we won, we took some chances also. Other guys, my senior, my freshman year when I won individually, there were some seniors that really stepped up and took some chances, and it paid off. Well, Steve and I did it our junior year and our senior year, so we were able to win. So, you know, there was always someone picking up the pieces. But that, that sophomore year, there was probably, you know, you, you never can foresee the future. You just roll the dice, see what happens. Can you help fans understand what coaching means in men's golf? Uh, a lot of people think, you know, coaching technique. Does the coach get involved very much in a player's technique, or does he leave that to the coach at home and he manages a team? That is a fantastic question because people think, coach, the one thing you can do in college golf is overcoach. You, you recruited that player to come in there under the toolage of someone else. You liked his talent, you liked his psyche, you liked the way his physical abilities, you liked his mental abilities. So the question for a coach from that standpoint is you got to leave him alone. Your job as a coach is to put that kid in a situation best suited that he can excel. And that's what they do. They manage their time a little bit. They learn about time management. Then also, more importantly, I think it's the tough love, the hard love, you know, because a lot of players come in there with a silver spoon stuck in their mouth. Uh as Coach Williams would be great doing, he would take that spoon right out of your mouth immediately when you got on campus and go, wow, and it gets a kid attention to work hard. And I think that's one of the main focuses for a coach right now, to keep the team unity one and that everybody's gelling together. But secondly, actually not to overcoach. And that sounds weird, but just don't overcoach. Let these kids play. You recruit them for one, th- one thing, to go to school, and at the, that point in time their job is to play golf. You know, one of the great golfers of all time, Hale Irwin, who had a a tremendous Hall of Fame career and dominated the PGA Tour Champions football background. John Cook grew up playing high school football in Ohio. Uh, His father was a football coach. He took a lot of those lessons. Explain to our audience your background in football and how that mindset may or may not have helped you when you were competing in college golf. Well, my background is my, my dad uh, played professional football, played in the NFL for the Oakland Raiders. Once he was fired by Al Davis, who was back then was the head coach also, uh, once he finished his NFL career, he went on to finish up in Canada playing Canadian football uh, at Edmonton Eskimos. My, my brother, my older brother, 
uh, All-American Center at University of Houston, went on to play for the St. Louis Cardinals, which is now the Phoenix Cardinals. Uh, he's much older than I am. But that mentality, I played all the way through also. I had a chance to either go play football or golf coming out of high school. You know, um, It wasn't going to work for me athletically because I had the the help from my dad and my brother. I was – uh, I wasn't very fast. I wasn't very tall. I was a defensive back, and the game was changing. And there was no future for me past college, and um, and I've, I've grown up in such a uh, athletic family. That mentality helped me make a decision where I was going to go. You know what path, of career I was going to choose, and hopefully, a small percentage make it on the PGA Tour, and I did. But that they laid the groundwork to make me make that decision, either football or golf. But with that being said, the mindset as a football player doesn't really um, roll over very well on the golf course because I'm a very high-intense player. And it took me a long time. I had a terrible temper. I would break things. Uh, I was pretty vocal about uh, the way I played. And so I had to change um, my mental approach to the game and try to cool down what's a harness a lot of that, that energy the way I played football on the golf course. And it was hard. I, I had to do it myself because I grew up in a family that everything was about aggression at all times. And they didn't understand that I have to keep my emotions intact. And there was a, there was a guy that played at North Texas state that who started working with me, uh, and Dick Harmon also, uh, Bill Hill, who played golf at North Texas state and Dick Harmon, other famous Harmon's family. They taught me to control my emotions. That's when I actually started to flourish a bit. Where'd the love of the game come from? You know, it's very interesting. Uh, when my dad was done playing the NFL, we moved out to a golf course, but I was not old enough. They had an age restriction on when you could play. Uh, I love to watch the golfers come around our house. We lived on a golf course play. And in front of our house, we had a little medium, a little strip of, of like a boulevard. And there was it was a new subdivision, and I learned to play in the middle of that. And I just fell in love with I, – I, I would cut holes out with a, with, a, with a little spade, put a stick in there, and get my dad's clubs and a ball and play in, you know, in between the street and the little medium. That's where I learned to play. And I – I couldn't believe that a little ball could go so far one that you had to get it in this hole. And I was so intrigued about how everything was on yourself. I had been played team sports, you know, as a little kid even growing up. I loved it how it was on you. I just, that's what blew me away. It was everything was on you. You were accountable for everything. You have two daughters who are outstanding softball players, uh, one in the college ranks, one eventually playing in the college ranks. <clears throat> what's more nerve-wracking watching your girls compete or standing over a putt in the u.s open having an opportunity to win you know that that's that's something and it you go back to to 1990 when i had a putt there at medina to win it's a different nerve i i, I still think about it not as much as i used to but you know a player is perceived uh, throughout his career, in my opinion, one, if you win a PJ Tour event, you're in a small group. But I think perception of a player if you win a major championship. And honestly, I, I'm never going to do that now. But I had a couple chances to do that. That was different nerves. Now watching my daughters play, I'm more concerned about uh, how they perceive themselves. Because I was, I was a player that was pretty hard on myself. I was a good person if I played well. Uh, but I was a great person if I really played well. Uh, so I, when I watch my girls play, I want them to succeed. I, I want them dearly to succeed. But more importantly, uh, I'm more nervous for their, their happiness, you know, that, that they're okay with failure. And if you choose this lifestyle in sport, and if you, don't, if you can't handle failure, handle it with humility and 
uh, know it's going to come, then you're going to be an unhappy person because I've been through it myself. But uh, I love watching the girls get up at bat or, uh, you know, ground ball. They're both catchers and, you know, stopping a ball. I, I do get nervous in that sense. But th- there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel that I tell them all the time. Don't put all your eggs in one basket but just because of the way you perform on the field. You had three wins on the PGA Tour, two of them in playoffs. You knock off some Hall of Famers along the way. Uh, you had that finish at the 1990 U.S. Open. I mean, you're tracking to be a stud player. Obviously, uh, wrist injury robbed you of your career. Um, do you have any regrets? I mean, or is it, or is it easy to not have regrets because something physical happened that robbed you of the opportunity? You know. Um... That's a great question because I, I deal with some demons about that quite a bit. And uh, it's one that I can get very emotional about. I feel like I could have worked harder when I was healthy, and I probably would have saw some different results. Uh, it's not that I was a lazy player by any means, but there were, there were times I could have put in a little bit more time. I could have been more focused on – what went on inside the ropes instead of so focused what was going outside the ropes. Um, and and I, I do have questions about that. The injury stuff, uh, that it honestly, I don't know if I can say this on it, it pisses me off uh, because there were some questions that I needed answered that were, that were not answered. And I can't, all I can do is speculate. And um, I, I, I fight that quite a bit still when I'm doing television, especially working with you on, on Sunday afternoons and you're setting the stage. You know what's going on here on Sunday. Um, I'm okay the first two or three days of a tournament until Sunday afternoon comes around. That's when I become uh, a person that will look back, even to this day, after doing television for so long now, I look back to this day on, on Sunday afternoons when guys are trying to, to win tournaments and, and, re, and reflect. And uh, a lot of times it's not, it's not good at all. There, there, I have got a, a few chips on my shoulder, to be honest with you. Um, but with that being said, I have to let that go. There's nothing I can change. You know, a great saying is, don't worry about things you can't change. Well, I can't change that, but I do worry about it. But now that I have television, it's the next best thing for me that I can still be involved in the sport, but also try to try to make sure that I don't go down that same path of, of uh, taking things for granted. And I, I guess that in the bottom line, I think I took it for granted early on because uh, – I have to say, I, I was very confident in my abilities. I, I knew that I could play, and once I got that first win, I thought, okay, this this is easy. Well, let me tell you something. Golf gods came back and bit me in the ass a couple times. But you had a lot of top tens in your 300 starts. You have three wins, two of them playoffs. You won quality events. You circle that now back down to the NCAA and having won three team championships and an individual. Does that soften the blow of everything, the frustration that you just talked about? Because although the wrist injury robbed you of what could have been moving forward and maybe your own, as you said, uh, your mental approach when you were healthy maybe cost you some chances. Does it clean things up for you a little bit? These this week here it, it does for a short period though it, believe me it, it doesn't go away but when I come back to the the men's NCA I look back and go yes uh, I'm a perfectionist and I I will revert back to okay we won three of these I see these coaches and these teams trying to just get one throughout their whole career I have three and so many times I will revert back to my sophomore year where Steve and I uh, laid an egg and we didn't win the fourth one perfection but no this is a, probably the one week I can be more content for the college career that I had 
but also look at the uh, and, and and try to almost draw a parallel between the players now than the coaches how different they go about it and uh it, it's it's one that's um that gives me a sense of peace when I'm here because I see people going about it, in my opinion, the wrong way. Men's and women's have both gone to match play in the semifinals and the quarterfinals. It's added a tremendous amount of drama. We air it on Golf Channel. It makes it great to watch. Um, and the players are fantastic. Can you talk about the state of the game and what this match play is doing to help these players be even better? Well, w- when they went to this format, um, and I was – probably a, a just an outsider wondering how this is going to work out I can't believe one the excitement that it produces one for us on television but secondly that this head-to-head competition between mano y mano between two schools two players I, I never anticipated that it would be that intense now for the player itself you still have the 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 lone job of playing for other guys. I, I'm dead set on that. But also now you got a mano a mano. You're not playing just a golf course match play. You you're determined by what this other player does. And you, we work with a guy, Lanny Watkins was one of the best match play players that I've ever been around. And I've learned so much from him. Yeah. You try to play the game, you know, at the golf course, but you certainly have to be smart enough to know what your other opponent's doing too. That will make a decision of your play. And the intensity that goes along with it, I think it's been a, a, a smashing hit. It really has. And it, it really, if you look at the young players on tour right now that have come through college golf and coming through fast, they're being prepared now better than ever, aren't they? Well, they certainly are. And, you know, uh, these college players, we're seeing uh, today's players tomorrow stars. And, uh, and, and what it, it's done, it's prepared the guys. It really has. They come out with a totally different mindset than I can tell you when I came out on the PGA Tour, of just trying to feel your way, to work your way up the ladder, to be feel like you belong, this is this is your job. These these kids come out of uh, college golf right now, they're ready to play. And, and they've shown it quite a bit, either on the PGA Tour or the Web.com Tour or tours worldwide. And they show they, they have got great training grounds, and they're a much better player now getting out of college than, than back in uh, the late 80s when I was out. Who'd you look up to? Who took you under your wing when you first got on tour? It's so funny, uh, and they played a huge part in in, in, in a few things. Um, Curtis Strange was amazing. You mentioned Hell Irwin, who ended up beating me there in, in the '90 Open. Um, and Lanny Watkins was a great example for me. Um, and, and then I have to look at guys like old teammates, Bill Rogers, Bruce Liskey. They helped me along the way quite a bit. Ed Fiore, some old teammates at University of Houston that played in years that I met, they always came back. Uh, those guys played a huge impact on my life. But I would have to say uh, between Curtis and Hale, which you wouldn't think they would take in a rookie. They did. They, those guys really helped me out through all the time. And it was a tough love. It was almost like I had another college coach. You know, hey, you're out here now, and they weren't going to baby you. They told you the way it was going to be, and you – you come out on tour with a storied college career, take the spoon out just like you did in uh, as you came from high school back into college. When you won your second event, Byron Nelson, uh, it's in a playoff. Litsky's in that group right. in the play. Was it fun to have somebody that you were connected with to kind of beat? It is so funny. I vividly remember sitting on that first hole. The, the 17th is a par three at the Byron Nelson, first playoff hole. And I'm sitting there. I, we hadn't even drawn numbers yet. 
And I'm sitting there looking. And I'm going back in time right now. I can vividly remember this and looking going, wait a minute, I've got Ben Ken- Crenshaw, icon in the state of Texas, Bruce Liskey, icon in the state of Texas, and Raymond Floyd, the Terminator, the guy that stared down everybody, you know? And I'm, I'm going, are you kidding me? This is a young kid who dreamed of playing with these guys just alongside. Now I'm in a playoff with these guys. And I, I tell you, a sense of calmness came over me. I said, look, this is what you have fought for right there. And lo and behold, I hit one in there with the three iron and end up making a putt and winning, winning the playoff. But w- when I look back on it, it was more about the shot that I hit. Everyone thought, oh, that's great. And I said, no, it's about playing with these three guys. And I will always put that feather in my cap because I had three of my, my players that I looked up to for a long time. And I'm playing not only with them, but against them in a playoff. It was awesome. Final question here. I like to end it this way. Uh, if you could have your favorite meal in a closed room, probably for you it would be Mexican, some big Mexican fiesta. <laughs> closed room, ice-cold beers, um, and the doors are locked. Nobody can come in. Whatever said remains in that room for eternity. Who would you invite to this dinner? Give me three people, maybe four, that you would invite to this dinner that do not have to be golfers. They could be dead. They could be from music, entertainment, political career, whatever. Uh, and non-family, of course, three or four people that you'd love to sit around and trade stories with and listen to what they had to say. All right, I, I, I come from a background. This is, this is going to be difficult because I, I'm such a true blue Texan. Uh, you know, the Battle of San Jacinto, which won the independence of Texas, and uh, I want to sit down with the general of the Mexican Army, Santa Ana. It's, I've always – I know because – he had this massive troop, and he came to the Battle of uh, San Jacinto, and, uh, and, and, and General Sam Houston, you know, had the, the small troops. And uh, he went into battle, Santa Ana did, trying to regain the Republic of Texas there, and Sam Houston was coming in. I want to know the thoughts of Santa Ana, how 500 men could beat a troop of 5,000 men of the Mexican Army. And I want to know what his thoughts were. How the hell did I lose that war against five? I, I, that's it. I just want to know what went through his mind. And then also um, a, a gentleman I never met. Uh, I grew up, uh, my dad grew up in East Texas. Uh, his father was half Cherokee. And I, I've always wanted to, to sit down with my great-great-grandfather, who was three-quarters Cherokee Indian, who actually lived the life of a Cherokee Indian. And I would love to see um, – how the demographics through time, how it changed, how, you know, uh, what they did on a daily basis and how the effects of, of history have changed the culture for Native Americans. And that would be one. And it has to be my dad. I've got, I still, uh, I still look up to him coming from where he did a share cropper son uh, that didn't have anything that didn't start school until sixth grade and went on to play not only play his sports, but also get a degree from from school. And I, you know, there there's so many other questions I'd like to sit down and we we would hash out. You know, he won't talk much about his childhood. I know it was very very tough on him. And there's questions I want to ask him, but I still won't bring it up to this day. He's still living, and uh, I think if it never got out of that room that we we sat in, I, I could ask some questions that I need some answers to. BRB, great stuff. Uh, We appreciate the time. Have fun. And uh, thanks for sharing your stories on, on the show. Papa, this is always great being with you, man. Thanks for having me.
Billy Ray Brown, three-time NCAA champion from the University of Houston, joining us on this edition of the Papa Cast Golf Cast.